your quality of life is so important to me that whatever, I don't know, my background may be childhood or whatever, I can endure a lot of, uh, I can walk through the desert for a long time, but if if I'm making you do that, then that's not okay for me. And so, this is another advantage of going through mild depression with a partner who you really care about, you know, you care about their experience. And so, even if you might be sort of okay with tolerating it, when you become aware of the impact that you're having on your partner, then that might not be okay with you. Welcome to The Art of We, the podcast where we explore how committed partnerships can be potent vehicles for fully delivering our gifts to the world. Hi, I'm Krista Vanderveer, a seasoned consultant and executive coach. And I'm Dr. Will Vanderveer, a leader and educator in integrative mental health and wellness. As husband and wife and business partners, we keep learning that the key to maximizing our authenticity and impact in the world lies inside the health, security, and depth of our relationship. On this show, we'll pull back the curtains to share lessons, insights, and practices from our own marriage and professional careers that help us thrive. If you're a leader, founder, or overachiever, and you want to leverage your relationships for personal and collective growth, then you're in the right place. Hello, and welcome back to the Art of We podcast. This is episode number 47. We are excited to get into a topic that is something a lot of people deal with, which is low-grade depression or having a partner who has low-grade depression mm-hmm. and how to support someone in that situation. Yes, such a critical conversation to have. And Will, what's your current understanding of the mental health crisis around depression and people these days? Gosh, things are so bleak for many, 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 many people. Things were already trending poorly in depression statistics before the pandemic. And of course, the isolation and difficult transitions that people faced, losing loved ones or getting really sick or ending up with long COVID or so many different things that people went through, particularly isolation was really hard, accelerated the problem. And so, The other side of the problem, which is something that we work on in our business quite a bit, is the epidemic of what we call treatment-resistant depression. Mm -hmm. But when I use that term, I'm talking about a more serious version of depression than what we're talking about today. So clinical depression, the kind of depression where you are not able to function well, you might be in bed all day, you may have suicidal thoughts. You might really struggle to function with work or with family. So these are more severe versions than what we're talking about today. But mild depression would be on that spectrum of big-time mental health challenges. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you've said some statistic to me that that always catches me by surprise every time you say it. Something about by a certain year, depression is going to be the number one mental health issue? Or what was that? <laughs> I'm probably not getting that right, but maybe you, right. you don't even know what I'm talking about, but there's a... No, the World Health Organization has said that by 2030, depression worldwide will be the leading cause of disability on the planet. So yes, this is a huge issue. We should probably talk about the mental health epidemic on another episode, but there are 
really scary statistics coming out now about how prevalent mental health disorders are, especially in certain populations like young people and teenagers in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really scary and really sad. And I, we know that this also impacts, obviously, couples in a big way. And and I've had my own version of feeling depressed. I've been in relationships where the partner has felt depressed or going through something. And it's always kind of this, what do we do with this question that comes up, no matter how many times it seems to come up, just being human. I think we all go through our own seasons of life where we're more prone to more challenging feelings about our own vitality or around our careers or around our partnership. And so we thought it was a really good and timely topic to support those of you who feel like there has been or there is a little bit of a challenge around yourself or your partner having this kind of low-grade or mild-grade depression and the ways that we have dealt with or we have suggestions on how to work with that depression. Yeah. So I'd like to frame this for simplicity in terms of two major aspects of relating to the problem. The maybe most important aspect is getting to the root of the problem. So trying to understand what's going on. And with depression, the gamut of contributing factors is incredibly wide. So we can talk about that. And then the other aspect of relating to the problem is feeling better. So softening symptoms, how to get yourself and or help your partner get to a place of more balance in their lives, more sense of fulfillment or joy or joy of living. That is, I think, our birthright and our set point that we all deserve and and need to have in our lives to feel fulfilled. Totally. So there's the root, the getting to the root. There's taking steps forward in having it feel better to the person, having life feel better to the person. I would also say a third thing in terms of the couple is how the couple is actually relating to the challenge. Like even holding it as a problem could be a problem, for example. <laughs> like we have right. we have a problem here versus like a perspective of this is up for one of us and let's lean in and let's care for it and let's together get ourselves and the person to the next level. 100%. Or if you're going through a more challenging time and I'm holding it as though it's a pain in the butt to deal with or I'm afraid that you're not going to get out of it or I'm judging you because of it, then it's going to be a lot harder to even navigate through it together. I, I actually believe that going through darker periods in one's life is going to happen And it's part of being human. And if we look at it and hold it the right way, that it can actually take us to discover something so much more meaningful for our lives rather than making it wrong. Like, what if there's gold in the darkness? It's a good point. I mean, it seems deeply unrealistic to expect that a person's emotions are going to be flat and kind of at the same color and the same level all the time throughout their lives. I agree with you that we go through big transitions in our lives and we sometimes go through a dark night of the soul in order to come out on the other side and see and live into a new possibility. So that's one form of challenge that can come up. 
And, but I like what you were saying about holding the situation with your partner and kind of getting, I think it's really important to communicate about getting on the same narrative about what's happening together so that there isn't this kind of misalignment that you're talking about that can happen, whether it's my own misalignment, my own making the situation a problem that I'm having or making your situation a problem. Right. I love that. So if we're explicitly talking about it up front, here's my story about what's going on. Here's your story about what's going on. Let's choose what story we want to make about it and how we want to hold it together. Then that's a really good start. I love that. And, you know, we're pretty good at doing that. I think sometimes we have to kind of catch up or catch ourselves if we're not doing that. But I think that you and I have really gotten to a place where we can hold challenge or darkness in a much more complete and whole way than kind of splintered off as we have in other partnerships. And we came into this partnership with not knowing how to do it. So I'm proud of us. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And it's been through effort, you know, yeah. like I, for, on my part anyway, I can say that there are parts of me that want to hold out and hide the parts of me or the emotional states of me that I don't think, unless some part of me thinks it's dangerous to show you or you're not going to like what you see or I don't know what to do with it and I don't want to put something in your lap that I don't know what to do with. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm offering these perspectives to invite people to look at their own places where they may be holding out, you know, uh, from your partner. So important. And it can be so vulnerable. And it comes with so much relief too, when I discover that I've been holding something from you and, you know, finally give it over, Yeah, feel much less alone in it. And there's less pressure around it. Totally. You have such a great, obviously extensive background in dealing with all different grades of depression. So I would love to hear what you're thinking are some of the, the top causes or roots? Well, I think that in my mind, I, I call up this map that we use in our institute to teach doctors and therapists about the range of root causes that can contribute to depression. For example, common things being common, I think that we have two major categories that are common. One is in terms of mild depression, we don't know what our purpose is. We don't know what we're doing here. And I would say that this condition is really, really, really common. It's way more common than knowing what you're doing here. <laughs> <laughs> totally. <Good one. laughs> so there can be a feeling of being lost or dull in your clarity or your excitement about life and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. having a reason to get up and get out of bed in the morning. Yes. And... I think this is closely related to another phenomenon that we talk about a lot, which is undiagnosed trauma or uncovered trauma. And in this case, I'm talking about milder versions of trauma, you know, having a narrative inside yourself that you don't have what it takes to live an inspired on fire life or some version of that, some inner dialogue. Mm -hmm. So that phenomenon of not being on mission or knowing your purpose is really common. And then the other one that I think, you know, over 20, 25 years of working with people, I saw every single day is problems with 
I would say diet and exercise and relationships Mm. and sleep. Mm. So that category in my mind is called lifestyle medicine, where we're looking at what's happening with your microbiome, what's happening with your diet, what's happening with your levels of exercise and kind of exercise and your sleep quality. So that's a lot. But those, those are the two kind of most common root causes, I would say. And then there's a whole long list of other things that can, can be factors there. Mm-hmm. And again, we're just talking more of the mild level, mild grade depression. And I guess I would throw in, uh, along with sleep problems, things that impact sleep, like alcohol, for example, mm-hmm. being on screens too late, that kind of thing. Yeah. It seems like there could be a very complex weave of different things that contribute to low to mild grade depression. For example, I could see myself not super in touch with what I'm here to do and also have ruptures in my relationship and also not get sleep and also not be taking care of myself. It feels like there's so many different tiers that could be contributing to something like this. And I know for me, if I'm not taking care of myself in certain ways, diligently. I mean, you you and me, we both are working hard on our sleep and our exercise. You're killing it with the exercise. I'm so inspired. <laughs> and you're killing it with the sleep too. But I know that we're so diligent with these pieces because we know how it impacts us on a day-to-day basis if we're not taking care of it. So also screens for me, if I'm not, if I'm doing screens at nighttime, I can't sleep as well. And it all adds up. Yeah. It, it can feel like a lot to track and a lot of habits to attend to. But, you know, the thing about habits is that they become easier as you get into the routines. I think there's two aspects to this conversation for me historically that become very challenging. One is when I don't have the drive in place, and so I'm not actually creating those habits myself for me. And two, if it's not me and it's my partner who's in a low-level depression, and they're not actually interested or having the drive to make the changes also like those are the areas that I feel like people can get really stuck around this. So we can talk more about that when we get back to, but before we take a break, is there anything else you want to add to the roots conversation? My love? Well, you brought forward another piece that we touched on earlier, but I think it's good to add to the list, which is having relationships that aren't deeply fulfilling and, and connected. Yeah. So that, that, maybe goes without saying on this podcast, but I think it's important to add that to the list. For sure. And I think even navigating the conversation of what feels deeply nourishing and connected inside of a relationship is different to everybody. Like my ladies and I, we do our work to stay connected. We (laughs) repair ruptures. We're like doing the work to be really nourished with each other. And it takes a lot of work. And unless we have that experience inside of a friendship, the friendships may feel kind of dry. And then it's like, why do, why do all my relationships feel dry? So it's just a whole nother level, a whole nother conversation of, of, what that, of what that takes to have that kind of value inside of a relationship. Yeah, I'm very inspired by the level of commitment that you have to your lady friends and how much you really go to the mat to reveal whatever's in the way of that deeper connection. Really, really impressive. Mm, thanks. Well, one thing that I just want to touch on about the root causes for me when I'm noticing that I'm not sleeping well. If I'm on to myself, which I'm not always on to myself, often I'm not sleeping well because I'm not having 
a conversation that I need to be having with somebody, whether it's being honest with myself about how something's going inside of a relationship or something that feels off in relationship. For me, if I'm not addressing those and having those conversations with myself and then with other, I have a really hard time sleeping. So maybe next time I, I go through a hard sleep sequence, we could be like, okay, what am I not speaking straight about right now? I like that. I wonder if that tracks according to someone's highest values, you know, like if they, if there's a P under the mattress of your personal unique constellation of what's important to you. Because I know relationships and connection with others is really, really high value for you. So it makes sense that that would keep you up at night. I think what you're pointing to is really important. So for the listeners, like what are your highest values? And if you're not fulfilling on those, like what is the, what's the real impact for you? It might be sleep, it might be something else. But for you, Will, I think if you're not having the kind of impact that you want to have or you don't feel aligned with your soul's purpose, I think that you probably go through more challenging times. What would you say to that? Yeah, I think that's been true in the past. I've felt very much on purpose for the last four or five years. And so what I notice keeping me up at night is things that I think are in the way of fulfilling that purpose or fulfilling that mission. Right. Which are just, you know, everyday challenges of navigating, trying to make something happen. But they feel very large. It's like um, I need to have a label in the bottom part of the frame of my mind saying objects are, you know, smaller than they appear or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) I love that. Good. Okay. Well, maybe we'll figure out how to get that. Maybe it could be a sticky note next to your bedside table. (laughs) (laughs) All right. When we come back, we'll talk about ways to address a low to mid grade depression. And certainly, at least in the ways that we're talking about it on this podcast episode. We'll be right back. We hope you're enjoying this episode. I want to take a quick break to let you know about a gift we created for you and your partner. We compiled our top 10 relationship agreements, agreements that have been so powerful in supporting the success of our partnership that we even turned them into our wedding vows. These agreements help us stay connected, growing, and thriving as a couple, and they've been critical to help us create a kind of we that's way beyond what we've ever experienced before. You can download this free gift at kristavanderveer.com. That's K-R-I-S-T-A-V-A-N-D-E-R-V-E-E-R.com. Also, if you enjoy our podcast, it would be so meaningful to us if you left us a rating and review. Not only does it help others find us, but it gives us critical feedback on how we're doing. Thanks in advance. And now back to the episode. Welcome back. We're going to, in the second half of this show, talk about ways to get to feeling better while you're identifying those root causes. And I think, to me, I'm curious what what you're going to say about this, Krista. My first thing on the list is tell someone about it. And we, we talked about that at the beginning of this show, but it can't be said enough, I think, that holding something in that you're, you know, this festering inside you is not a good way to get to feeling better. I couldn't say it better. I notice whenever I'm able to actually name it and I do name it to somebody or somebody's, it's like the release of that secret or that energy itself starts to have a reparative 
quality to it. Like it's something gets released and I can start to feel the healing aspects come in when I'm not holding it myself. Yeah. And for me, a lot of times I've noticed that I need to journal about something before I actually know what it is. Um, journaling really helps me identify what is eating me up mm. inside. Mm -hmm. And then I can go talk about it with somebody, but it doesn't necessarily work for me to talk about something that I'm not even sure what it is before I know what it is. Mm -hmm. So meditation can help. Right. As well. Definitely. Like sitting on the cushion and, and being intentional and bringing curiosity to the circumstance and then listening. Definitely. Yeah. Very helpful. And then I think another piece is um, on the relational side. You said this before the break, but you know, what, what haven't I named or what haven't I spoken up about? Where am I feeling stuck or under the wheel of my life or in my relationship, right? Totally. Or disempowered. Exactly. Mm -hmm. If we don't feel sovereign in our lives, it's pretty darn hard to feel a good mood. Absolutely. And then another one is, um, I think these are just sort of good questions to ask yourself. Or your partner. Yeah, with your partner, exactly. Are we on mission in our lives? Mm -hmm. This this brings up a question that, you know, we like to talk about a lot, which is what what is the couple up to? Yeah, we feel like this is one of the most important conversations that a couple could actually have with each other. It feels like it takes the two people and aligns them into a mission together. And there's so much more context. We can go into this. But if you're interested in finding out more about this, you can go to our website, kristavanderveer.com. And we have a gift there for you of three critical conversations that we believe every couple should have. And there's a bunch of questions in there that you can explore together to help clarify. Yeah. And then there are these more, I spoke to this idea of lifestyle medicine, these other sort of more physical aspects of health that Without which, you know, unless you're in your early 20s where, you know, you can eat fast food and stay up all night and do all the kind of things that I can't do anymore to <laughs> <laughs> maintain feeling good. <laughs> we were up until like maybe 11 o'clock on Thursday night, which usually we go to bed. We're in bed by like nine. And the next day, <laughs> both of us are like slogging around. It's pretty funny. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to As if we were hungover. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So looking at our patterns of activity, our levels of exercise, there are ways to be very active, but not be doing the right kind of activity. So that that's one that is interesting to look at. Mm -hmm. Doing too much cardio or too much something. You mean in not in balance? It's like something's out of balance. Okay. Yeah, definitely. Or working out at the wrong time of day or bottoming out with your blood sugar during your workout because you're not eating at the right time. There's all kinds of mm -hmm. issues around nutrition and mm -hmm. gut brain health mm -hmm. to look at, sleep quality, sleep hygiene. Yeah. And going back to the the gut brain, when I first met you, you know, I was, I, I had heard of that, but given the work that you've been doing for decades, but I've learned so much about the importance of gut health and how directly impactful it can be on a mood, on a state, and even what somebody is capable of doing or what part of them is leading them in the moment. Like, are they in their adult brain? Are they in the younger self? And I actually think that food can directly impact all of those states. And I've experienced that myself with my own gut. 
hundred percent. Yeah, it's it's quite dramatic and not to be underestimated. The swimming upstream against inflammation that comes from being out of balance in all these different ways, having the wrong bacteria in your gut because of the food that you eat or antibiotics that you've taken or toxins like Roundup on the wheat that you're eating or food sensitivities. So many things can happen. Candida, you know. This is totally where it gets tricky because like in my journey, I was exposed unknowingly to hidden molds in an office I worked in for four years. And I consider myself pretty high functioning. So even though once we found out and I took the test and my levels of mold were off the charts, I was kind of in shock because of how high functioning I am. But looking back, I can see, I can point to like a a heightened dysregulation at times. I can point to heightened exhaustion. There's all of these little symptoms that can be super mysterious. And so it's kind of hard. It's like a rabbit hole to go down to figure these things out. But fortunately, like there's some very basic things that we're talking about here that you can chip away at the different possibilities until you find something that you need to address or until you just start to feel better. Yeah. Yeah. Mold is a big one. And so we're talking about like environmental toxins, right? whether it's uh, chemicals in the water or the food that you eat and, or, you know, in this case, toxicity from water damaged buildings, which is underappreciated for sure. Yeah. And then also when you go back to food too, like when I was younger or maybe even less healthy, when I would have a less healthy food, I wouldn't be as impacted as I am now. So we eat very clean for the most part, but even if we have something that's like not as healthy, like we go out to eat at a restaurant and they use certain oils, I can feel that in my system maybe two hours after. Yep. But I think if, if we're a little bit, if we're not eating as healthy, it's harder to notice those impacts. And so then it's harder to understand that the food might actually be causing some of that. Yes. So many different variables to track and to experiment with to try to hack our health into, you know, the right balance. And as we get older, as we pointed out earlier, it's it seems like we're more and more sensitive to these changes in our routines. Yeah. So going back to the original topic here of mild depression, I think there's such a huge advantage, I think, of being in a connected partnership if you're going through something like that. And specifically tagging along with healthier meals, tagging along with getting yourself moving, taking walks together, tagging along with getting to bed at a reasonable time. Mm -hmm. These are all things that can be huge movements toward more fulfillment, having conversations about what am I what am I up to in my career? What do I want to do? You know, how am I going to feel at the end of my life looking back? Mm -hmm. That's an exercise that comes up for me frequently. Mm -hmm. Am I going to feel like I did what I needed to do with this blessed life and the good fortune that I have, the privileges I have? Mm -hmm. Another one that we like to do is gratitude practice. (laughs) This is a good one. (laughs) You've been really good at supporting us to keep this consistent. I'm grateful for you. (laughs) (laughs) Thanks. Grateful for you too, sweetie. 
you know, going back and forth and naming five things that you're grateful for before you go to sleep at night is a great way to, I think, just clean up the the mental field, remind ourselves of what we do have. We've also started saying what's right. And this is comes from the Alyssa Marine episode where a couple episodes ago where she was talking about so many people focus on what's wrong and keep reiterating what's wrong when we can also focus on what's right and really recognize and acknowledge what's going right in our minds too. That's such a powerful practice. Absolutely. Yeah, the human uh, negativity bias is something to to really reckon with. Ooh, that's a biggie. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to talk about too, before we close, about addressing internal resistance to making changes. So first, I think this, going back to this conversation of just being real with each other about what's going on is so important. And then if you were in a dark season, for example, and you had internal resistance, which you I've never experienced you not address the challenges in front of you. But if you were resisting addressing them and just going along and somehow being okay with your mild level of depression, one way that I would address that with you is that I would share very lovingly, but honestly, the impact of you going along with the mild level depression. I would discuss the impact on me and the impact on our we and do it in a way that's taking responsibility, of course, like not putting you at blame for how I'm feeling, but being in a real conversation about what it's like to be in partnership with a person who's not willing to, or seemingly not willing to address the depression. Yeah. Well, you did that one time in January of, uh, (laughs) (laughs) my gosh, 2022. I remember you said, so this is, you know, more than a year and a half ago now. And you said, well, I think it's time for you to get some psychological support. <laughs> <laughs> that was so funny. We were in the midst of, if you've listened to our podcast, you would know this. If you haven't heard it, we basically went through a unexpected whole house remodel because the house we had just bought, we discovered after taking ownership that it was full of mold and we had to take it down to its studs. And this is like a year and a half to two year process that you're in at the same time that the businesses were just like taking off and so much challenge and, you know, startup mode. And you just were under so much, so much. And we were living in my parents' basement. So there's like all these levels of... And they're wonderful people. Oh, totally, totally. And I'm living in my in-laws' basement, even if they're angels, you know, it's totally, still, it's totally. still a thing. It's like, the, it's like underground, you know, like the basement concept, like the, you can just, the image of it itself, <laughs> underground... Anyway, so it was at the point where we felt like, and I felt like I didn't know how to support anymore. Like I couldn't help take it to the next level. And you were so amazing in your response of my suggestion for psychological support. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And it helped. Well, it brings up for me, you know, what you're talking about is like this beautiful, I don't know if it's a liability. It feels like an advantage to me of the way I think about our partnership is that your quality of life is so important to me that whatever, I don't know, my background may be childhood or whatever, I can endure a lot of, uh, I can walk through the desert for a long time. But if if I'm making you do that, then that's not okay <laughs> for me. And so, this is another advantage of 
going through mild depression with a partner who you really care about, you know, you care about their experience. And so even if you might be sort of okay with tolerating it, when you become aware of the impact that you're having on your partner, then that might not be okay with you if you're like me. So yeah, that's another piece there. Yeah. I think that's really well said. And lastly, I'll just share, you know, the last three episodes that we had on this podcast are about external support. So we share the support we've gotten, including, you know, getting, well, including getting couples therapy, but, you know, we've both also individually gotten support. In this case that we're talking about, you did see somebody to support the psychological aspect. Would you say that that support helped you during that time? And that was a necessary thing for us to take on to get through that period? Oh, for sure. You know, I, I've had the good fortune to, well, I met my therapist in a somatic experiencing training. Somatic experiencing is a form of therapy for trauma that I trained in 15 years ago and met my therapist who I went back to see when you gave me that feedback. Mm-hmm. Hadn't seen her in a while at that point, but it's really helpful. I'm a huge, huge fan of getting psychotherapy when you need it. Yeah. So that would be another possibility here if these other things don't address it. Right. One last thing I want to say is I know for me, when I'm not feeling connected to you well, like I'm not feeling as deeply in touch with you at a very healthy level as we can be, like if ruptures haven't been taken care of or if life is super busy where we're not doing the work of actually slowing down, turning off our phones, connecting, then I feel, and I think it's because relationship is probably, you know, my highest value, art of we, when I'm not feeling connected to you in a really healthy way, I can experience symptoms that can look like a more dull life experience. So I just want to reiterate how important it is for us to really stand for, again, our highest value, to know what that is. And if we're not deeply in touch with it or in relationship with it, that that's one really good place to start. So important. And it can change over over a lifetime. You know, we go through these seasons, as you mentioned, and the, you know, career can be really important for a period of time, uh, relationship, another period in our lives, uh, giving back, which often happens later in life, in retirement or so forth, um, but it doesn't have to. You know, just being open and flexible and knowing that we're not necessarily going to stay in the same set of values over a long life. Yeah, we're not static beings. Yeah. Yeah. So our invitation for you today, and you already gave one earlier on, Will, but I think I'll just reiterate is to first be honest, I would say, with yourself and then your partner about what is happening in your experience and relationship to this conversation. Like if there's low grade depression in you or your partner, to really get honest with yourself and then your partner so that there can be a start to knowing how to lean in, how to work with it, how to do it as a team, and go from there. Would you add anything to that, Will, or another invitation? No, I think that's a great place to start. Awesome. Thanks for joining us. Thank you for joining us. Have a great rest of your day. 
Thank you so much for joining us. If you found this content valuable, please follow this show and share it with your partner or other key collaborators. If this show has sparked an interesting conversation based on these topics, we'd love to hear from you. Find us on Instagram at Art of We Podcast. And we'll see you next time when we explore what it means to be better together, like butter and toast on the Art of We.